David Graham is a speaker, author, businessman, former pastor, and founding director of Youth with a Mission Montana. He is also the author of the song, In Moments Like These. This song appropriately describes this podcast, which is a short, biblically-based, and encouraging devotional influenced by David's lifetime of personal moments. These moments are shared with a heart to encourage and inspire you to see Him, our Heavenly Father, at work in your own moments. I know this is David's heart in sharing because he has spent my lifetime speaking hope and encouragement into my own heart. If you would, take a few minutes and listen today. I am really proud of the things that he has done throughout his life, but what I am most proud of and grateful for is for the kind of dad, daddy, he has been to me. We've named our podcast after a praise song that I wrote back in 1976 called In Moments Like These. It was one of a couple songs that, curiously enough, ended up going viral throughout the Americas and then across the oceans to nations around the earth. A number of times over the years, when out traveling and teaching, I've been asked where I was and what was going on in my life at the time the song was written. Only recently, a dear friend asked me to share the story as part of a podcast. So, here it is. I wrote the song early one sunny Sunday afternoon at my cousin Robin Graham's place. His home was in the beautiful mountains bordering the western edge of northwest Montana's pristine Flathead Valley. Eight years after completing his renowned solo sailing trip around the world, a trip he had begun at the age of 16, Robin and his dear wife Patty were now living on a 120-acre piece of land in a cozy spot the locals called Haywire Gulch. We had gathered there after church that Sunday morning for a joint family barbecue. As Robin put a match to the charcoals, I decided, on a whim, to go back to the car, grab my well-worn guitar from out of the trunk, and take a quick hike a few hundred feet up the steep hillside just east of the house. Maybe three minutes later, I sat down, instrument in hand, under the shade of a tall Douglas fir tree. As I scanned the scene down below me, I couldn't help but get a little teary-eyed. For me, what I gazed at down below was nothing less than a miracle. The first and most obvious thing in view was the large log home Robin had fashioned with his own hands. From up on the hillside, one could see that he had built the handsome structure in the shape of a cross. The design was clearly a statement of a most meaningful faith he and Patty shared together so very deeply, for both had once been far away from God and had now given their lives full on to Jesus. And from the hillside, I saw the girl I loved, my amazing wife Kathy, who was totally committed to the Lord and for some reason to me. Just a few years earlier, she had been willing to completely uproot with me from our home in Southern California, leaving friends and family behind to pioneer a brand new life and ministry in Montana. It was very late Christmas night in 1972 when, with only $500 in our pocket, 
we gently put our three sleeping babies into our 21-year-old beater of a car and headed north. Pulling a trailer of old furniture and belongings, we traveled some 1,400 cold winter miles to a much different part of the country, all the while having no idea where we would be living or what we would be doing once we got there. And Kathy, always a loving and devoted wife, mommy, and family intercessor, was totally committed to the Lord. She always knew He was with us, leading the way. And on this beautiful Sunday afternoon from up on the hillside, I could also see and hear our four children, Michelle, Kimberly, Jeffrey, and Michael. Those four little people I loved so much, I could hardly stand it. There they were, living life. Along with her two little cousins, they were laughing, screaming, skipping, and dancing through the bright yellow dandelions, which decorated the rich green grass surrounding the great big cross. In those few special moments up on a hillside, I was overtaken with emotions for all the things God had done for me, for us. Among many other things, He had provided us with a simple but wonderful home, incredible new friends, and an exciting growing ministry. I was so filled with thankfulness to Jesus for gathering us up in His arms and changing all of our lives forever. It was then I began lightly strumming a sequence of chords on my guitar, and then seconds later, singing words I had never heard before. In not much more than a minute or so, at the conclusion of my mountaintop moments, I sang out a new song. I sang out a song unto Jesus. It was a new song of praise. Which brings me back to the summer of 1982 and today's episode entitled, Sing a New Song. It was six years after I wrote the song that I would go through some of the most defining moments of my life when, as I've previously described, I would be hearing God speak to me in a manner I've never experienced before. It was during those three mornings of counseling from the Holy Spirit. It had been six more years of very important learning and training, and those six years ended with the battle of my life, a battle with panic attacks. You know, there's a saying that comes to mind here. It's this, knowledge comes through study. Wisdom comes through pain. And after those six years, the Holy Spirit was bringing words of wisdom after the pain, healing wisdom that would enable me to soon become the pioneering director of Youth with a Mission, Montana. During those three mornings, as I've said, I was given 10 life principles. Here today is life principle number eight. David, I heard the Holy Spirit say, choose to praise and step out of your introspection. Praise. Yes! Out of the ten principles, this was the easiest for me to hear and do. Praise had been an integral part of my life long before I ever wrote my first song. I started playing the guitar when I was about 11 years old. 
In my ruckus teenage years, it was my sidekick at beach parties. Later, after committing my life to the Lord, it became an instrument for praise and worship. Who would have thought, many years after leading at beach parties, I would be leading worship in the church where I was an associate pastor? It's strange how things go sometimes, isn't it? At one point in my worship leading days, I had to stop and ask the question. By the way, God is not at all offended by honest questions, and in fact, He encourages them. My question, Father, why do you ask your children to worship you? I know you're not selfish, not proud, or or self-centered. I know these things are not a part of your character. So why do you ask for worship? I wouldn't ask my children to worship me. This is what I heard him say. Ah, but David, think about that for a minute. How many times have you asked your children if they love you? Or how about the times when you encouraged them to tell their mommy they love her? How many times have you asked your children to give you a hug? How many times have you asked them to sit on your lap? I was beginning to understand. And David, who benefits the most from the sitting on the lap experience? He continued. Hmm. Now I see. They do. But I love it too. So do I, son. So do I. Praise and worship is all about a loving relationship, a relationship in which both the father and his children benefit, but one in which the children benefit the most. Praise and worship is actually one of the father's ways of connecting with us in spiritual and emotional love. It's another context in which he encourages us. It's on his lap, so to speak, in the place of praise and worship that we forget about our doubts and fears, where we come out of our introspection and into restoring mutuality, a loving mutual bond between the Heavenly Father and His children. It's on His lap the Father reminds us of our significance and gives us new strength. Praise and worship are healing gifts of love from the Father to His children, and He loves it when we use them. This verse came to mind on this, the third morning. I love Psalm 40, verse 2 and 3. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear, and put their trust in the Lord. He rescues us. He gives us a brand new song to sing. And then, note the last line, many others will see and put their trust in the Lord. I thought on those words. I realized that expressing love to the Father through praise, especially in the difficult times, also benefits third parties in this relationship. Our brothers and sisters who still lie in the slimy pits, desperate for a reason to sing. Our praise and worship inspire them to move toward his lap, 
where they too can discover their significance and receive new strength. Dear friend, do you remember the passage we read about the choice, the soul talk, to praise God? I'll read it again from Psalm 43.5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. David, the Holy Spirit said to me, Don't despair anymore. Instead, choose again to praise. Yes, Lord, I said. Yes. And, dear friend, that's what I was told to share with you today. There is nothing like praising God to experience a complete turnaround of emotions, while at the same time to encourage others, and most of all, to love and honor your most wonderful and worthy God. Dear friend, don't despair anymore. Choose to praise. Sing a new song. Dear Father, dear Jesus, and dear Holy Spirit, we are so full of gratitude. Right here in these very moments, we want to praise you. We do praise you. And I'm praying that many millions will join us. And dear Father, I ask you, put new songs in the hearts of your children all over the world today. Let it be. You've been listening to In Moments Like These with David Graham. If you'd like to contact David or find out more information about In Moments Like These, please visit InMomentsLikeThese.com.